G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. We're asking the question today, who were you before the world told you who you should be? Well, there has often been confusion around who we really are because there's a way we see ourselves and there's a way others see us. And in making sense of it all, there's a way that our Creator sees us. Lots of us are simply struggling to survive in life, while some have been used and abused. Our self-worth is often all about our accomplishments. But then we carry the shame of our mistakes. We're so often defined by our looks, by our talents, or by our bank balance. Mostly, we tend to accept what others say about us or how the media portrays us at the hands of people who are trying to sell us stuff. We might wonder if there are consequences to ignoring what God says about you as his child, made in his image, loved, forgiven, and filled with hope for a future aligned with Christ. Well, our special guest today, Wendy Burns, is back with us. Wendy's new book is called Unmask, Stop Hiding and Start Living. It's about transformation through trauma and pain and into joy and purpose. Wendy Burns is also an internationally certified Maxwell leadership coach, speaker and trainer, and she speaks on professional topics like leadership and empowering women. But she also speaks on all sorts of other topics as an inspirational speaker around issues to do with suicide or domestic violence, alcoholism and sexual assault from the point of view of a survivor. Uh, Wendy Burns, always a pleasure. Welcome back to 2020. Oh, good morning, Neil. How wonderful to be back with you and your listeners today. I can't even get my words out. That's not a very good start. From sunny, warm Darwin this morning. Let me tell you, it's a little bit humid. It's too early for that. (laughs) I'm sure there are listeners in the South suffering. uh, Some are saying, for some parts, the coldest day for decades. And uh, here you are saying it's a bit humid and uh, and warm here in Darwin. So (laughs) that's a bit of a challenge. We've got extremes here in Australia. Hey, Wendy, uh, I know your book is going well, and I'll tell listeners how they can get a hold of it a little later on. Some of the conversation today around some of the sorts of things you talk about in your book, but as I always do, and some listeners will go, oh, that's the Wendy Burns I really, really enjoyed listening to last time. Not everyone knows your story, so let me just ask you to just, in a nutshell, uh, bring us just some of your story, because it's pretty challenging, because I've already said in the introduction, you're a survivor in some of these areas. Uh, Give us your story briefly. Yeah, thank you, Neil, and I will absolutely do that. And just a small ears warning for this little part, uh, so if there's children around, probably best they don't hear some of this. Um, I grew up in a home that was full of domestic violence, alcohol abuse um, and suicide. 
My father uh, committed suicide when I was 13. He actually got me to hand him his gun and um, took his life in front of me. So he got me to participate in his suicide. So here I am at a very young age of 13. On that same night, uh, my uncle decided his way to comfort me was to sexually assault me. He raped me that night. And um, it was uh, changed my life until I found Jesus. Um, but it was that was the start of a very traumatic losing my identity in who I was. And there's so much more to that story, as you know, Neil. But I just want to share that with the listeners so they know that I have the authority to speak from my lived experience because what was shared today is about lived experience, about who we are, what we've been through, and how that then affects who we become, right? And who we become, this is the important uh, long-term, you might say, future for each of us because we've all got these perceptions about who we are and the perceptions that seem to haunt us by what others think of us. And then we bring into this the thought that somehow or other, uh, being a Christian, believing in God, actually has a huge benefit to how we see ourselves when we understand who we are in light of our Creator. Now, I've got to pick up on something really uh, important, I think, here, because uh, there's a, a quote that you have in your book from Oliver Wendell Holmes uh, that says, We're all tattooed in the crib with the beliefs of our tribe. And when listeners hear your story, uh, they'll know that you had all sorts of perceptions about your own self in your own family. How do you reflect on that? That's a powerful quote, Wendy. It is. It's such an important quote because it gives us a greater understanding of what happens to us. So, so if I can give a little bit more around that, Neil, when we're born, we were uniquely created. And, and I wanted to share a scripture because I think it's important to share that here we are, you know, where we start. And it's from Ephesians 1 and it's 11b. Before you were born, he gave you a destiny that you would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. So before we were born, we were, God had already created our destiny, right? So we were born uniquely with our very own unique set of fingerprints. And I love that description because even in a court of law, our fingerprints stand up and say, yeah, that's who Neil is, that's who Wendy is. But then where what uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes is saying here is we're tattooed then by the beliefs of the tribe. So the family we're born into, and I, you know, maybe you won the family lottery, I certainly didn't when I was born. Um, the family that you're born into, say, for example, they speak a specific language, English, Indian, Italian, Greek, whatever language, you absorb it, you soak it up like a sponge because you're, uh, you're pliable, you're, you're a child. And when you're born into a home that is uh, like, uh, you know, domestic violence, um, anger, frustration, emotional outburst, alcoholism, all of those things, those behaviours and beliefs, you soak them up. You can't not soak them up. So you're starting to be marked by the world. So that's the start of changing our identity. And, you know, when we're born, we don't know if we've been blessed. We, we've been born into a Christian home and, and we know about Jesus from the very get-go of our lives. And that is such a blessing. But when we are not, 
we start to be tattooed by these other things that start to take our, our identity. And we hear all the time at the moment about identity theft. That's what we're talking about, isn't it, Neil? Wow, identity theft. And that's a good way of actually characterising what you're saying here because, you know, when you were sharing those thoughts, my mind was wandering off to John chapter 3, which for a lot of Christian believers is a very important chapter because that's where Jesus says to Nicodemus, uh, you know, you're not only to be born of water, but also born of the Spirit. And uh, when we think about what happens to a person uh, which has a background and a past which is shaped by the tribe, as you're describing, uh, this intervention moment at a time of encounter with God and being born of the Spirit actually starts things afresh. It's like hitting a restart button, a forgiveness button. It's welcome to the family. You're now a child of God. There's something significant because there's a there's a before and there's an after this encounter time and mm-hmm. how we grow into those things for the future depends on how we actually see that. Is, is that a relevant thought to, to offer into as you're talking about those things about the tribe? Oh, I think that's so important because for me, I, I actually see it in my mind because I see that moment for me when I had that encounter with Jesus. And that was the start of, of my childhood again, if that makes sense. So here I am, I'm 34 Uh, for the listeners to know when I first found Jesus and I made that commitment uh, to find him and and I went to a church to hear somebody speak, you know, reluctantly, I'm not going, I don't want to be there. But of course, Jesus always has a different plan, right? And I, I think I was the first out the front when they did an altar call. And just to be sure that God had my attention. The lady that played for, prayed for me said, God knows the guilt you carried over your father's death. He had me, right? Nobody knew where I'd been, participated in my father's suicide. Jesus got my attention. But to be honest, Neil, he didn't get my full heart then. I made a commitment and I came in as a child. And I think this is really important. We come as a child of God and some of us will have that total transformational moment. I still had to journey to understand who Jesus was for me and who I was meant to be in him. Uh, Let's talk about language here, um, because when you're born into the tribe, as you were saying, you learn to speak the language of the tribe. You learn to speak the language of your own family. And as you were a child, you were speaking the language of your family and you described your father, you described your mother. And uh, it's challenging. And lots of listeners will say, well, uh, you know, I can appreciate that sort of dysfunctional family experience because, wow, I've got something similar. Mm -hmm. But language forms culture. And we Mm -hmm. think of that sometimes we're thinking about a national culture. And that's actually a really important conversation to have but the language that forms the culture of who we are as children and growing up thinking about who we are. This is an important element, isn't it? Yes, so much so, because you identify with that language and that culture that you grow up in, right? You identify, for me, I identified with what, even as a young girl, as a young child at school, I identified with the language of my home that I was, for me, 
um, what I was hearing all the time because our words matter in language and culture, don't they? So the words I, would I was identifying with were that I wasn't enough, that I was dirty, that I was unacceptable, that I was rejected even by those at school. I felt rejected even by my parents. Uh, that they didn't know how to parent. So you you identify with so many different things and you're so, um, you're like a sponge, as I said earlier, and you're soaking it all up and you start to believe it. So here we are, language kicks in again. So you start to speak that language. You say, I am this, I am not worthy, I am rejected, I am not enough. So we then start to live in that identity that was not what we were meant to be created for. So we've got this early identity. We've got a moment where there's a disruption to that, and we might call it a new birth. Some talk about an encounter with God. It's that moment that you first believe. And additionally to that, even as you say, Wendy, there's a time when you know the lordship of Christ sort of kicks in. It just goes beyond that simple belief, and then you really appreciate that Yes, you're a child of God and that your life can be different. Well, we're going to continue our conversation in just a few moments. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. One of those conversations today that sets into some sort of a context the beauty and value of what it is to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, to have a different set of hopes ideals, even ambitions, to what you have if you're holding on to those cultural things, that language that shaped you as a tribe in your own family or in your own social setting that made you the person that you are. Well, we're talking about different things today, the opportunity to change and how that change looks and how that change happens. Wendy Burns is our guest. Her book is called Unmask. Stop hiding and start living. Uh, Wendy, let's talk about this because you were shaped by the labels that were put on you, the identity that you had uh, had thrust upon you into the tribal family setting that you were a part of. Um, let's talk about dreams and aspirations for the future and whether you have to hold on to those things from the past or how you deal with them. Uh, take us into some some issues here about you know, your identity in the future. I think this is great to have this conversation, Neil, because even for me, and again, talking from my lived experience, uh, when I found Jesus and I made that commitment, I still didn't know who I was in Jesus. So I was searching for my identity. I knew that I had this new identity in Jesus, but I didn't know what that meant. So instead of devouring the Bible and finding my identity in that, which is our roadmap for life, by the way, just putting that out there. That's where we find our identity. I started to find my identity in other people. So I started to think about, well, I could be like this person or I could be like that person. And I'd start to look like them and, you know, dress like them and be like them. But even worse still, I was looking for an identity in my job title. So I thought, you know, here I was unworthy till that moment. So what was I going to do to find my worth? So I was still searching for my worth. And we see this all the time. So my title, my job title became my worth. So my I, I attached to myself a, an un, 
unhealthy attachment really in so many ways to my title. I was a senior blah, blah, blah in a government department and, you know, I was amazing. People thought I was terrific at what I did. So that was my title and I attached myself to that. So I went from identity of the family that was so dysfunctional, finding Jesus. And then instead of finding my identity fully in him, I started to find my identity in the world. And we do that, Neil. We do that in our title. We look for identity on social media, don't we? We identify with somebody and we follow them and we want to be like them. So we're searching. The world is hungry for identity. You know, you mentioned a little earlier, uh, some people seem to win the parent lottery. Um, You know, you have a great (laughs) set of parents uh, or the nightmare set of parents and you don't get to choose your parents. But this is interesting too. Let me just take you down a little bit of a, I hope this is not a a big uh, rabbit warren, uh, but (laughs) your identity, even if you've got the good set of parents and you almost swing on their uh, on their coat tails uh, and you you know you, you you've got some good things going for you maybe you know you've got uh, some financial backup uh, maybe you've got the good looks <laughs> maybe you've got the, the you know the super intelligence and uh, you're you know you won the the parent lottery even then that's not necessarily uh, the best identity because somehow rather even in uh, as we're talking about an identity we can find in Christ, that has a really amazing future for us, even when you win the the good parent lottery, that might not necessarily be everything. Oh, and so right. That's such a good point, Neil, is we then we, you know, if we've got these wonderful parents that are just giving, you know, doing everything and supporting us and, and so forth and so on, we still can't find our identity in them. Yes, they're part of our life and they're part of our culture, but we still need to know who we are as an individual before the Lord, right? So we can just attach myself like, so Neil, I'm saying, I know you're not that old, but I'm saying Neil is my dad. So, you know, I'm Neil's daughter. I introduce myself all the time as Neil's daughter. I don't know who I am. I'm only Neil's daughter, which isn't a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but we still need to find out what our identity is who are we in Christ who will we create it to be and that is so important isn't it you know those challenges that we might have had when we didn't win the parent lottery and you've shared your story uh, you had the parent nightmare not the parent dream Um, those challenges though Wendy interesting because I know listeners hearing you tell your story now uh, being on the flip side having discovered there is a new identity in Christ and that God has our best interests at heart. But those challenges that have shaped us from our past, those trials that we have faced, they actually do contribute to our resilience and actually the recognition of the value of what God has for us. Any, any sort of reflection around that? Oh, absolutely, Neil. What the enemy meant for evil in my life, the enemy in my soul, God has used it to empower me to be who I am today. And that, like, our past does not define us. It tells us where we've come from. And we we should, I hate using the word should, you know that. It shouldn't, shouldn't should on ourselves. But if we keep looking back and attaching to the past, instead of looking forward and using our past as a catalyst to move us into who we're created to be, uh, we can get a little bit stuck. But when we look at our past and think about where we have come, like when I was out walking this morning, knowing that we were going to have this conversation today, 
I'm, I'm able to say, thank you, Jesus, for what you brought me through. Thank you for my experiences because you've given me a voice to change even one life. So your story, and there'll be so many listeners that will identify with my story. My story is not an isolated case. But if we go from victim to victory, and I say that, and I know the healing journey is a hard journey. That's why I wrote Unmasked. But as you start that journey, you start to be a testimony for somebody else. And God uses what the enemy tried to take us out with, right? And that's what he's done in my life. Where I am today is because I turned finally, finally understood that Jesus wanted me wholly and totally. He didn't want my identity in a job. My identity needed to be in him. And once I found my identity in him, then I was able to be used mightily and fully by the Lord. Changing the narrative for the future, changing the story from what was a story of the past uh, to now that there has been an encounter with God and a relationship with him ongoing, that there is a new story to be written for the future. And, you know, just to, you know, to at risk of taking us off into another area, because uh, I, did, I did say that you're into uh, business coaching and uh, some corporate level um, input here um, and I think you're familiar I wrote the book called uh, Public Christians in a Secular Age and oh. it's about how you actually change the identity of your organisation to be resistant to the growing secularization. so again that's about finding a new narrative or actually making the narrative for your business so you can actually apply this I think not just personally not just in your family but in your career and in your business, the narrative continues on into all these dimensions, Wendy. Oh, absolutely. And let me say, it's an amazing book, listeners. If you haven't read it, I have. It's an amazing book. But yes, this is about you carry who you are into those environments and you change the culture in an organisation by being who you are. And you can carry that narrative exactly into that. And I do that in a lot of my work I do is in corporations and as well as individual work that I do with women specifically about helping them empower their voice in who they are in Christ. But we have the power because of the authority of Jesus in us to change the narrative of any organisation we're in simply by being there and being his hands and feet, never alone without doing the things that we do that apply to his values. And uh, my suspicion is uh, when you speak to groups, uh, whether it's business or whether it's church groups, and uh, you get invited to share your story, Wendy, and uh, it's a powerful story when you do share it. Uh, but when you do share your story, you're not sharing it from a position of uh, everything was uh, was dreadful, now everything is rosy. Uh, is there an ongoing journey that you're still, you know, the narrative has to be addressed regularly daily even how does that oh, work for you yeah that is such an important question neil we may not get it finished before the news but let's try um i think it has to be a daily journey for me it has been a daily journey of finding out and reminding myself that i am chosen i am wanted i am seen i am understood i am greatly and completely loved by jesus but that requires me to turn my heart continually into him so he needs to be not just part of my heart and part of my life, but the absolute full centre of my life. And so that's a daily journey. And it is once you start on that journey, honestly, it is the richest journey that you could have. Sure, it's not going to be a bed of roses. My life certainly hasn't been, and I'm sure it will not continue to be. It'll be 
but it's the most worthwhile decision and the most worthwhile journey that I have ever been on. Um, it's taken me to where I am today. I've changed a whole generational inheritance because my mother went on and committed suicide. Two of my sisters took their life from alcohol abuse. I've changed a generational inheritance by one decision. Before we develop any more of the conversation, let's invite uh, listeners. John is in St Mary's in Sydney. Hello, John. Welcome along. Thank you, and thank you, Wendy, for your sharing your story. I'm really looking forward to read your book. Um, when I unmasked, I was 50 years old, and it was for me, I walked into a police station and I asked them to arrest me. Um, it was a, I'd been abused for years up to the age of 10, sexually abused, but then I went on to become a very evil man. And um, I couldn't live with myself anymore. I tried to commit suicide the day before I walked into the police station. But I think what happened was the man that I was before that day was I was pointing to what I was, all the things that I could not take to heaven. Um, I was saying, please look at my house, my car, my business, my wallet, but don't look at me. I'm not worthy. And when I took the mask off and went to prison, people visited me and they said, John, who are you? And I said, I am the man I lived with all my life. And today you're meeting him for the first time. And I had to walk a journey over the last 12 years of who I was, not what I was. And um, today I can say uh, most of my life it has been restored. God has restored everything because I put my life on the line. I tried to kill myself physically for a spiritual problem. But eventually, I then killed myself by walking into the police station. I killed myself spiritually and died inside and gave my life to Christ and said, you sort this out, Lord. And I walked and walked the last 12 years with him. John, what an amazing testimony you have. And I know that what Wendy's been sharing, obviously, has struck a chord with you. Uh, this is this is amazing, and I'm going to ask Wendy. Uh, Wendy, what are your thoughts as you hear John's story? Oh, John, I'm you know I thank Jesus for the life that you have and who you are in Him. And yeah, look, the suicide is a big deal. And you know, I didn't mention earlier that you know the the point where I really understood that I needed to be fully committed to Jesus was on my lounging floor when I was about to commit suicide. So. I totally understand that. And it is a journey. You said you've been on a journey for the last 12 years. It then is a journey of understanding who you are. What a powerful testimony you have, John. You will save many lives by sharing that. It's not yours, just for you, remember, to share it with many, many people. John, before I let you go, I wonder if you've got a a thought or two to offer others listening in because my suspicion is that uh, you've got a daily walk and sustaining the journey on the upside uh, is a necessary thing because some of those things that shaped your narrative from those early years, uh, they tend to try and characterise you and uh, draw you back in and draw you down. Uh, How do you sustain a good, victorious journey in your Christian walk? That's a great question because it's not easy. I think leading up to that time, I believed I was the only person who could never get to heaven. After I opened up, what I found was that all the men in my life who I thought were incredible heroes 
came to me and said, hey, mate, I nearly lost my marriage 12 years ago. Or this happened to me when I was... And I realized that all my heroes were just the same as me. And what happens now is I meet with these men weekly. I talk to them. I'm open from my heart. I share the pain and the grief with other men. And we cry together. We talk about the things. And, and even then, like last year, I started going down a track of falling apart um, in a certain area. And I was able to go to my guys and say, hey, listen, I'm struggling. Can you help? Can you pray? And they didn't come back with advice. They just climbed down in the pit with me and they walked with me. The key is always being transparent, not oh, yes. trying to work out the answer, not trying to work out how other people are going to think when you tell them that the pain you're in. Um, I've, so I, I booked in with a counsellor 12 months ago. That was one thing. My mate said, go and see a counsellor. So I did. I started talking with a counsellor again. We're dealing with my first 10 years of life at the moment. And I'm realising that that shaped. I love that narrative that we use. My family were were very distant. They they were not around me in those years. My my grandmother raised me from the age of ten because I became such a delinquent kid. <laughs> so I was put with her. But I when I got to eighteen, that was when I decided to put my mask up. Look at what I am. Don't look at who I am. Look at what I am. And anybody who said to me, "Hey, you're not doing too good," I'd say, "Look at what I am. Look at what I am." And I found that the best thing is to stay transparent. If I can say that to any of the guys out there who are struggling with it, please just sit down with a mate, a confident mate, and just say, hey, I'm struggling. Well, John, I want to thank you for uh, for calling mm. in. I mean, yes. you know, something just in you was moved to, to pick up the phone and say, I need to call in, I need to share my story. I'm just identifying so closely with some of these things uh, that Wendy's sharing today. John, thank you so much for your mm. contribution today on 2020. This way of sustaining a walk in victory. Now, uh, when the world wants us to identify as a victim, uh, somehow or other we then uh, we grapple with how we actually try and put on a brave face or the mask that we've been talking about. Sustaining this victory and having that level of transparency that John was talking about, um, the thought that sometimes women do this more easily than men, but having someone who's a confidant to be able to talk to, Wendy, how do you, how do you think about you know, practical ways of sustaining that wonderful walk in victory? Oh, it's so important. And, and you know, John was right about um, the people you hang around with make a difference on your journey. You know, for me, I was hanging around with the wrong people and I needed to know, I needed to have people that would speak into my life and call to the very best in me. And that, you know, that starts when we, you know, position ourselves in uh, a, a community group, like a church cell group or a life group or somewhere. In a big church, you may not get that that same uh, personal attention that you need. You need to be in church. Uh, I am gonna say that, that's, that's part of your journey. But then being part of a smaller group where you can share openly and honestly with trusted people that will call to the very best in you and that you can go to and say, hey, I'm struggling. Because when, you know, sharing again what I just shared with John, you know, my identity, I was attached to the identity of this huge big role I had in government and that was whipped away. God took that away and I know that that was part of the journey that I was on. But in that, 
having to make the decision to choose Jesus or not choose Jesus. That was a real defining moment. But then once I made that decision that, no, I'm not going to take my life, I'm reaching out to Jesus, he's going to empower me, the journey is a big journey. But to support me on that journey, I had people around me that could speak into my life and say, hey, Wendy, how are you going? How can I pray for you today? And that is part of it. And going through and identifying who you are in the Lord, up until then, I was still identifying myself in my role, still part of back from where I came from, even though I hid that because that was still too shameful because we're talking about shame here. But if we want to silence that shame, if we want to silence that victim mentality, then we need to position ourselves and make a stance to do that within a church, within a small a group within your church, a cell group, a life group, and in the word of God. Because if you go through there and start to identify with who you are, you will find it. Well, let's let's stay here in this moment. Uh, talk about the Word of God. Uh, I know that one of the scriptures you draw attention to in your book is uh, John chapter ten, verse ten. Uh, lots of listeners will know this, and if it doesn't come to mind straight away, it's the one that says, "You know, the thief has only one thing in mind: he wants to steal and to kill and destroy." But I have come yeah. that you might have life in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. John 10, 10. So let's let's spend a few minutes just talking about what it is that you grab a hold of in this new identity, uh, starting with some scripture, some favorites from yours. And, and uh, John 10, 10 for you, Wendy. Oh, yeah. The thief comes to rob, steal and destroy. Right. That's reality. We need to be aware of that. We may not. We And I think it, it saddens me when people think that that's a bit of a myth in the Bible. Reality is he wants to destroy us. He wants to rob us of our identity. That is true identity theft. My favorite out of all of the scriptures that I absolutely love is Psalm 139, because it tells us that God goes behind us to protect us from our past and goes in front of us to make a way for our future. But also that he formed every bone in our body and we were created. He knew everything about us when we were created. Uh, the, the number of our days was already planned and recorded in his book and the destiny that we had was already recorded in his book of life for us. So there's some incredible scriptures that are out there. You know, we are a people, a holy people of the Lord from Deuteronomy, and I love, there's so many great scriptures, but finding who we are and that identity in, in God is so important. And even if you just start in Psalm 139 and you go through each one of those lines of that psalm and you journal on who you are, who Jesus is saying you are, is so important. It will change your perspective and it changes your stance. When God calls you his child, my suspicion is that some will think, oh, there's a little bit of sentimentalism coming in here. What do you think it means, Wendy, when God calls you his child? Uh, what sort of special benefit comes in this new narrative when you recognize that you're part of his family now and not the one that messed you up? Well, up until um, Jesus, I accepted Jesus and I, I picked up the authority of his name and I love the description of, um, if we use it like this, I had a credit card, we all know what a credit card is, right? I had the credit card from my family, which was probably not worth a great deal at that time. So I was, you know, that's the authority I carried. When we become a child of Jesus, a child of God, we carry his authority, the credit card, the card that says 
Jesus, loved by Jesus, chosen by Jesus, wanted by Jesus. Wanted, you know, we have the authority that we are given when we make that decision. But that authority still needs to be picked up and walked into, right? We carry this new authority that we need to learn then on how to, um, to I guess, how to carry it, how to use it, how to stand in it. So we get this new authority as a child. And, and for me, it was like coming in as a little child and understanding who this father was, that he actually wanted to spend time with me. He was in my heart. He wasn't beside me. He wasn't behind me. He wasn't in front of me. But Jesus Christ in us, the hope of glory. And I think that was such an aha moment for me, that Jesus is within my heart. What about some of the imagery we can pick up from the scriptures? Um, The potter and the clay. And uh, I think you make reference to... Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 uh, being God's handiwork and and I know some yeah. some uh, versions will say God's masterpiece almost as though you've got the painter who's painting the masterpiece of our lives uh, that he's the one who actually shapes us as we allow him to do that any thoughts yeah. here I mean some of these some of these metaphors are wonderful aren't they uh, the potter and, yeah. the, and the artist and, and that's it isn't it if we go back to to uh, the quote that we're tattered in the crib, I was, you know, we're molded and shaped by that culture we're born into. Then we come into this family of God and we are this piece of clay, just like we soaked up uh, like that, that sponge that was dry and we soaked up all that culture from our family. When we come to Jesus, we start to soak up what Jesus has for us and he molds us and shapes us. And you just, if you put that image in your mind, and I think it's the author in me, I see in pictures and I see that this image of this pot shaping me to who I am today and he's still got a lot of work to do. So for all of us, that imagery is so important. Um, But also knowing, I think it's important that no matter where you are on your journey, Neil, no matter how old you are, Uh, what you've already done or what you haven't done, um, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And, you know, Romans 8 tells us that there's no shadow of shame in Christ Jesus because shame's a nasty little beast. Wendy, let's talk some more about the upside here, the benefits of saying, I'm going to let go of the old narrative I'm going to grasp a hold of the new narrative. Uh, Benefits, uh, the sorts of things that sometimes come to mind um, the safety we have when we are protected by God uh, you know wrapped up in his hand Um, Mm -hmm. the sort of thing that comes with faith a little bit like being able to take a risk Uh, we might have been afraid to take risks before but all of a sudden uh, the new safety position we have and uh, this new change means that I might actually be prone to take more risks than ever, knowing that he's got my back. Any thoughts here around these benefits of having the new narrative and then uh, being able to take life by the horns and actually go with a whole new impetus? Yeah, and I love that. It's a great question. And I really would encourage your listeners to go and and read Hebrews, Hebrews 11, right? Starting Hebrews 11 and you will see some of the benefits. But it's all birthed out of faith. So the, fa- the faith we have in Jesus and the hope we have in Jesus then starts to lift us and take us on a different journey. And um, it talks about, so don't lose your bold, courageous faith for you are destined for great reward. 
And you need the strength to endure and reveal the, the poetry of what God has for you. So this picture that God has for you. So we have this benefit of, of anchoring to the one who created us, the one that created us in our mother's womb, right? Before we were born, whatever we were born into, God created us. And he brings us back and say, come with me, child. I have you now. I'm going to take you by the hand. Come and journey with me. And it's such a rich journey. It's not just a wonderful bed of roses journey but it's a journey where as we journey with the lord and we understand the relationship and that was a big key for me when i was searching for my identity neil i was looking for a relationship in other things and other people's opinions but relationship that we have in jesus that pure beautiful relationships that we get to know who he is and who we are in him is so important. You mention Hebrews 11, and sometimes we know that as the faith chapter, and there's lots of stories just in little single verses of amazing things that happen to people of faith in the scriptural narrative throughout the Old Testament into the New. So you've got Hebrews chapter 11, but this faith, the power of it, uh, this change of narrative uh, not only transforms individuals, but families, but also one of the big picture things we see from the Bible is this is the faith that creates and shapes nations because this was the formation of the nation of Israel. So, I mean, the sky's the limit here, Wendy. It's not just about one little change that changes the way you deal with your daily to-do list. This is actually so powerful it can change nations. Oh, absolutely. And the one thing is if you go in and read Hebrews 11... Each one of those faith things, there was an action. Everything was an action. So there was a faith, but for the for the faith to be lived out, it had an action with it. Like Abraham, uh, Abraham took an action. Jacob took an action. Um, faith prompted Moses, and he took an action. So it's not just okay. I found the Lord. I've got Jesus. I'm just going to wait for Him to do everything. I've got faith in Him, but He requires us to step out in faith and to step out and take action on our journey of what He wants us to do to change the narrative, to change the nation. Can you imagine, Neil, if we as Christians all raised up, uh, raised up, and were praying and uh, being that living hands and feet of Jesus out in the world? What a difference it would be. Wendy, we don't always do this at the end of the conversation, but I'm going to ask you to pray uh, just a short prayer. But uh, there might be those who are listening to the conversation today going, oh, I don't want to lose this moment. I needed this encouragement today. I needed to hear that the things that have shaped me, my narrative, my story of the past are not going to shape my future. I want my future to be shaped by God. I wonder... Wendy, are you able to lead us in a short prayer? Because there are those who are thinking, um, you know, I've got to get this new new page, new leaf. I've got to actually connect with some people. And just like John was saying, find some people I can be transparent with, someone I can do the journey with and actually see some of the benefits of what it is to be a believer in Jesus. Uh, would you lead us in prayer? Sure, now. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are there in the midst. So I thank you for this opportunity for the listeners that are listening in to Neil and my conversation today. I pray for their hearts. I pray that as they turn their hearts to you, that they will feel a real sense of your presence. They will understand that they are your masterpiece. 
that they have been created in your very image, that you call them your masterpiece, that you have a plan and a purpose for their lives. I pray that you will seal in their hearts what they've heard today, that you will place people around about them that, that can take them further on their journey, that you will able or enable them to reach out uh, for more help, for more support. But most of all, most of all, Lord Jesus, I remember when I sat on my lounge room floor and I, the only scripture that I could remember was the woman with the issue of blood and that all she needed to do was reach out and touch the hem of your gown. I pray today for our listeners, Lord God, that, that they, as they reach out simply to touch the hem of your gown, that they will meet you just like I did that day on my lounge room floor, that you will move in over their lives that you will lead them and direct them, that you will raise them up from victory, victim to victory, that they will no longer be um, be vulnerable to the enemy to take them out, that they will see the authority that they walk in in you. And I pray this in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, ruler of heaven and earth. Amen. Amen. And. Uh... Wendy, time has run out. Um, I just love your vulnerability. I love your way of articulating these things. And and you've written some books and you've put your thoughts on paper and you want to pass those on to others. Uh, but it's the reason why I keep inviting you back because you just have this vulnerability and your ability to be able to share your heart about how you actually deal with those big issues of a dysfunctional past and you apply those wonderful treasures of the scriptures into how you can have a wonderful victorious future. Uh, Wendy Burns, I might just say for listeners, uh, when Wendy shares her testimony, you can tell just how powerful that is. And Wendy, I know you're available for speaking engagements. Uh, We mentioned you're in Darwin. Uh, You know, whether you're actually doing any traveling, uh, I'll leave that to any listeners who might be thinking, yeah, I'd love travel. that. Yep. Okay, so, you know, Wendy <laughs> might be on a plane to visit you, and I'm sure you'll be able to make yourself available too if there's some Zoom opportunities to be a speaker in various groups um, because you do address issues around suicide and domestic violence, alcoholism, sexual assault, and from the point of view of a survivor. So for listeners to connect with Wendy Burns today, her website is Wendy Burns consulting.com.au wendyburnsconsulting.com.au and I know you've also got that other big dimension of speaking into the corporate world, into businesses. Uh, The book we've been talking about, Unmask Stop Hiding, Start Living along with a companion journal for mapping your progress uh, you'll be able to get that too at wendyburnsconsulting.com.au. Uh, no doubt you'll also find Wendy's earlier book called Remarkable You. Uh, Wendy, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us once again today on 2020. Always a pleasure to be here, Neil. And can I just say, Kurong now are holding, have my books as well, so you can get them from there. Wonderful. And uh, no doubt probably other online booksellers as well. But uh, All of but, the other online ones yes. have it, yes. Okay, talk again next time, Wendy. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.